Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, indeed. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day, that you are the Lord, that you are God, that you are in control of all things, and that all things work together for good to those who love God. We thank you, Jesus, that you've come to live and die and give us the message of hope, to give us our identity, a bright future, and a promise. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for giving us today ears to hear it, eyes to see it, and a heart to to rest in it, Lord God that in the midst of this war-torn world that you are still with us, Lord God, never to leave us or forsake us, Lord, and that it's only a matter of us truly believing and receiving because you've already finished the work. So we thank you today for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for raising from the dead for us. Thank you that you're waiting for us. Thank you you're here with us at the same time, and you've sent your Holy Spirit to dwell within us. I pray now that you guide us by your Spirit, that we speak as the oracles of God, that we receive this revelation. And it would transform our lives. We'd be lifted up out of the swamp of life into the fullness of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father God, for the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach, that you hide us in the the safety of the palm of your hand, as you've inscribed us even upon the palms of your hands, Lord, that you give us the protection and the promise in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Well, last week, uh, or last session, mm-hmm. depending on when you, how, listen. Who, when you listen, we were uh, speaking about the dark side of our identity. Mm-hmm. So today we want to look at the, the bright side yeah, the of B, our identity. The bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, B-right, the bright side, the right side of our identity. Well, kind of yeah, word, it, isn't it? It, it's not like we're just, you know, we have to, we're stuck with two identities. No, you know, we actually have to make a choice. We have to make a choice because you can't live. There's a choice, right? And then it's moving into what we're what we're talking about here today, and what God's purpose is for us is to move into our true identity. Right. The identity, our true identity, is the is who God says we are. Yep. That's who we are. Not who other people say we are or think we are, who we think or yeah, say we are. Exactly. Not based on our experiences or stuff like that. But it's it's the rock solid truth of God uh, saying who we are. Yes. That's and, who we are. Yeah, but we are we're living in a swamp actually, and it's it's a kind of a slough if you know what a slough is. It's like a swamp, and you know we're we're surrounded. And I'm kind of setting a negative here for just a second, negative picture of where we are because this is where we are. And we have to know where we are to know where we need to get out of or go from. Um, you know, it's like you know, we're surrounded, guys, by constant noise. The drone of machines and music. You go into a store, anywhere you go, radio on. There's no peace. There's no quiet. There's that deafening, distracting drone of some machine or some ticking or beeping or whatever it is. And then there's, you know, that there's that high-pitched kind of, spin that's that that i think comes from technology and the, the breaking of frequencies messing with frequencies that actually starts in people's heads in their literal heads that causes them to become anxious they can't sleep they can't 
relax. They can't stop spinning. They're hyperactive. Their their attentions are distracted. All of these things are moving us from the true identity of who we are. Um, Even, I think even like the whole plot against this is to, and I'm, this is just a a short segment of the program here. We're not going to go into this forever today, but breaking down us at the very basic core levels of who we are, you know, even neurotransmitters, like dying people dying in a useless pool of information. How much information do you have that you look at in your iPad, your your phone, whatever today, that is going to be absolutely worthless to you. It's only a cluttering up your brain cells um, and keeping us from really pursuing the brightness of who we really are in God. So I, I kind of see life, Jerry, as like people that are drowning in a swamp or a, in a, a mucky, murky, grasping for a straw, looking for a way to find significance, whether it's in the things you wear or the things you drive or the place you live or the people you know, some sort of some uh, confirmation of my identity being, of me being worth something. Well, that's because we're uh, consciously or unconsciously, we've, we've lost our true sense of identity. We, we, we don't have it. So and we kind of know that we've we, lost it. Right. We, I know, unrealizingly, mm-hmm. but we're in this quest right. to find it right. in something, like you said, something mm-hmm. in other people, something we wear, something, yeah. popularity, power, fame, material success, Your society, even, even religion. Yeah. We're, we're mm-hmm. looking for a way to kind of uh, establish get, righteousness. Right. To find, get ourselves to be right somehow. Yeah. Somehow we've got to be right. Somehow we've got to be accepted. And, and there's just uh, probably a, a zillion, I'm not sure if that's a word. Yeah. There's a zillion there's different a zillion. ways that, that the, the enemy works with that to too. To solve those problems. He says, I will, yeah. you know, here, have some, yeah. ha- have have some uh, fruit, dr- forbidden. drugs. Here's have some religion. Here have some power. Here have some Here's a box money. of demonic chocolates. Help yourself. Right. What would you like? Right. What flavor right. would you so like? He to is more than, more than uh, happy to, to give us a, mm-hmm. a false sense of identity and, and so, solve our problems and, and, and give us false solutions to mm-hmm. our problems. Absolutely. And so he's always working in this world system. And we don't know, a lot of people don't have no clue that that's what's going on. Well, here, here's the key. The word of God, it, it's really, it's really written in, in the codes and riddles and like a mystery. And people say, well, it's, it's a paradox. It doesn't agree with itself. It's this, it's that. I can find contradictions, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, it's purposely written that way, because the only way you can really understand it is through the Holy Spirit. But if you go into that book and read it as it's been intended to be read, rightly divided, it will tell you who you are, because it will tell you who God is. And God does not lie. So bottom line, if you want to get this all simple again, go back to this understanding. You have to make a decision. Does God lie or not? You're, no, you're built by God with a true identity to know that God does not lie. Now, if God does not lie, then he does not lie, and what he says is true. If, however, God does lie, let's just pretend he's told one lie in the whole Bible, and you and I don't know which lie it is, that makes every verse in the Bible a potential lie. That means you can't believe anything. You have to throw out everything. So you either have to accept everything or throw out everything. And so to declare that God does not lie. God is good. God created us. God is who he said he is. And we came from him is your first number one decision you're going to have to make. And if you do that, then, you know, you can look into the word of God and find out who you are. And that's where we're going to go today. Right, right. Well, the, the basis of understanding who we are is understanding, at least we don't uh, understanding who God is. 
right. that that the God of the Bible is the one true living God. And, now, yeah. of course, in the world there are many different gods, right? Small g o d s. There's always been many, many different, different concepts gods. of God, who God is, you know. No God. No God. I'm Some God. God. This God. There's yeah. the God of nature. There's the God. All of, kinds of gods. Uh, of the the Greek mythology, the mythological fable gods. That, that have see, left that us. See in our, the uh, more gods we get, honey, the more gods we get, the more godless we get. Yeah, that's right. So uh, it's an interesting uh, the, uh, pastor in India wrote a book called God and Gods. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and really, this is it. So, so this is it. What we're going for is the one true and living God, mm-hmm. God who created mankind in the first place. And in his in yes. his image and likeness. So Genesis one twenty six and 27, then God said, let us make, us is who? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Plural. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. doesn't say total sameness, but our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created him, male and female, he created them. So mm-hmm. part of, the, uh, I would say a basic part of the image of God is that God has a will, he has a mind or intelligence, and he has emotions. So we call that the soul, right? The will, the mind, and the emotions. In a human being, it's a soul. But then he gave us a spirit. Mm-hmm. The spirit is basically the the integrator between life, the soul, and the Holy Spirit in God. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the Holy Spirit really is the connecting point mm-hmm. for us as a living soul, mind, will, and emotions to communicate, have communion, have fellowship, to be able to respond and interact with the God who created us. Yeah. So God is spirit. And he gave us a human spirit. Like a receptor site. Right, a receptor site. Spirit has to be in touch with spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it's that, a receptor site for the download of the revelation of God. Right, exactly. Receptor site for the download of the revelation of God. And, That's great. And, and so what hap- the spirit, that part of us that is in communion with God, is to be the dominant part of our being. That, yes. that is the spirit. Is, is to be in basically in control over the soul and the body. But this takes a ton of simple faith because we're not surrounded. I mean, we don't, we have natural senses, which give us information according to the natural world where we're immersed in a natural world. And so the soul is, and we're exper- we've experienced things. And so the soul is the first interpreter of our identity and it's corrupted because we are putting information into the soul that has been gleaned through the experiences we've experienced in the snake pit of life that Satan has psychologically set up purposely to, to recondition us. So, but the thing is going back to made in the image of God, the simplest thing is to know who God is. God is love and God loves, loves, love. He loves peace, justice, truth, mercy, righteousness, goodness, and he hates sin and he hates injustice. And so when he made us in his image, he made us to react uh, resonate with the truth and react to sin through guilt and react to injustice through, an ang- through anger. So when you are getting angry or feeling guilty, these are reflections actually going back to your original divine nature because man was not built by God to sin. Therefore, sinning is not natural to the, to the spiritual man. Therefore, you feel guilty. There's a, a twinge of I did something wrong. 
at that point, what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you need to get back into agreement with God because you believe the lie. So that's what confession comes, where confession of your sins comes in. You, you repent, change your mind, and confess it. But back to the image of God, made in the image of God, God loves. And he put into us the ability to recognize truth, to resonate with love, to know that that's the right thing to do, to seek his peace. Now, it's interesting that we're also made in the image. We also are made in the image of our parents somewhat. In Genesis chapter 5, in verse 1, we go to a very interesting comment. Verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. So God called male and female, very distinct, very specific, not other genders in there, just the two, male and female, which both reflect different parts of God and his, his wholeness. And, 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 and God then allowed Adam to make his children to look like him. It says, um, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own image after his image and named him Seth. So here we have why your children look like you, why your children talk like you, like what you like, is that God gave Adam the, the, the right to continue on with part of the creation. And yet at the same time, some people say, well, that's where we started not being made in the image of God anymore. We were, you know, because of sin. But that's not true because in chapter 9 of Genesis, when Noah gets off the boat, God says to him in verse 6, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood will be shed for in the image of God, he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundance in the earth and multiply in it. So what God is saying there is there, we're still being made in the image of God, even after the flood, even after the major sin. And so therefore don't be deceived into believing I'm, a dep- I I'm depraved now because that's one of the image problems is that man is depraved. And that's where all of these uh, established denominations come in to try to fix the depravity of man when Jesus Christ solved it on the cross. So what happens is that, you know, in the dark side of identity, what happens with us is that we, um, our soul, our will, our will, our mind and our emotions that are, go- are supposed to be controlled by our, our spirit, or, and our spirit is in touch, in, to be in touch with the spirit of God. So the, the spiritual contact point with God has is, is been interrupted. So what we do is we live our lives, rather than according to the spirit, we live our lives according to the uh, appetites of our body, our, our senses, our five senses, uh, so, so we live according to our senses, and that was the whole, one of the temptations, of course, that Satan made to Eve in the Garden of Eden. She saw that the tree, the, the fruit was good, the tree looked good, right? And so, so she started living by her senses. Right. It was really a kind of a precursor to how the history of mankind would be, you know, out, outside of the relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, but the. The sin that came out of that, the disobedience, the, dis- the deception, actually, that started the sin. He, she was first deceived, lied to, believed the lie for whatever reason. Believed because she saw what she saw through her senses. It looked good. It sounded like it would make her wise. So she was making a decision about 
a spiritual decision based on a sensual uh, assessment. Right, right. And, and, and so, so what happened was their eyes were dimmed at that point. When sin came in, they were dark. Their eyes were dark. And they, they didn't see, couldn't see anymore what God was saying and doing um, to, to mankind. And, and, and for them, they lost their way, were driven out of the garden. That, then there was a problem with, you know, as we know from that on. But so, that the, so Jesus had to come to fix that problem. And how he did it was to reopen our eyes. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, um, 9, he says, and this is where we go today, because he says, I has not seen, but it, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That was lost. That concept of reward, righteousness, eternal destiny with Jesus forever in heaven all that stuff was smeared and lost. And Satan, the God of this world, the God of technology, the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, has so polluted our air, not just the air we breathe, but the vibrations, the radio frequencies and everything, that our brains, our minds, our, our lives, our lifestyles, the advertisers, the TV, the media, the movies, everything is polluted, corrupted, and tried to deaden or downplay the promises of that exceeding abundant, great and precious promise that we have not even seen or heard. So the eyes were shut, the ears were dulled, and that's kind of where we live. We li- live like blind men in a dark box. We it's a hard way to make your way. Yeah, out we're, we're being dumped on with the lies of the enemy from, you know, thousands of directions. Yeah, and, and so, of but years but, too. but but here's the the whole part of this now is the whole part of uh, this whole area of coming to Christ. Born again. The whole part, being born again. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said. Jesus said in John 3, 3, yeah, except exactly. a born man be born again, mm-hmm. he cannot see the kingdom of God. So it's a, a, it's a new birth. It's a new revelation. It's a new revelation. It's basically coming, spiritualized. In, coming into the place mm-hmm. where we are awakened uh, spiritually to our true identity. It's, it's a new life. It says um, in 1 Peter 1, verse... Uh, 22 um, and 23, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in the sincere love of the, of, of the brethren, love one another fervently with your heart. Having been born again, that, that's the part we want to look at here. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides Forever. In John chapter 3, where Jesus is actually talking about this event of born again or new birth or salvation, as some people call it, um, he says, he starts it out with uh, the story about Moses in the wilderness, the people lost, the serpent being put on the pole. And then he was referring to himself as the one who would be put on the pole. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the choice point, the point where you make a choice that you and I can choose to believe what God says. And this is what faith is all about. This is what the promise is all about. It's not about works. It's not about, you know, you're being good enough. It's about, do you believe what God promised? That's what it was with Abraham. His, Abraham believed God, Romans chapter four, and it was accounted to him as righteousness because he believed what God said. He was, it was, it was good. He was, he was in. It wasn't because he kept the Ten Commandments, because he never even saw the Ten Commandments. They weren't even given for 400 years after he was dead. So the thing is, the point is that, that, that Jesus said here in, in John chapter 3, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
And then it says, he, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We all start out in the pool of lost, condemned, not, and we're all in that same pool. Those who believe God get picked up out of that pool because they've chosen to believe because the revelation of Jesus Christ has given them and they chose to, it's like a lifeline. It's, and you've chosen to grab onto it. And a lot of people, you know, you, you think it depends on your, you know, how good you've been. I don't believe God just goes looking for good people, good sinners to save. I believe he really reaches deep down into the human uh, dump of life and, and looks for the people who are, whosoever, whosoever will. Whosoever will grab on, whosoever will be born again, who will let Jesus die in your place. What's so bad about that? What's so hard about that? Well, it's everything that's built in us is uh, to the contrary in our, in our human nature, which is our second nature, first nature, divine, human nature, second, everything in our divine nature, which, which was developed in the pit under the uh, uh, watchful eye of the um, demonic forces of, of the kingdom of darkness. Everything developed there brings us to the conclusion that I have to do it myself. I can't trust anybody. I can't count on anybody. I don't know who I am. I've got to discover who I am. I've got to go with my feelings, go with my emotions, go with the flow, go with the, the trend, go with what other people are saying. And so we're, we're giving the most precious to that you, we have, our eternal God-given, God-ordained, God-called-forth life that God himself chose you. He could have made you a rock. He could have made you a rabbit. He could have made you a blade of grass. He made you to carry his image, be made in his image, to bring forth. And then as the sin happened, we were brought back up out of that uh, pit to be conformed, reach, uh, transformed and conformed into the image of his dear son. So God is now upgrading even that which he's created in the beginning, made in his image, to be now made and conformed into the image of his dear son, right. according and, to Romans 8. Right. And Ephesians 4, 20, uh, 22 um, Talks, verse 22 through 24 says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, the old nature, the, se- the old second ways, nature, the, the old human thinking. nature. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Uh-huh. Okay? Lies of sin. So what God does is he gives us new desires and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the what? The new man, mm-hmm. which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like this. There's that the, the the old man, which was shaped out of experiences, has to be put off by faith. But the old man thrives on fear. He thrives on what will they say? What will happen? Oh no! What if it's up to me? I'm alone. Blah blah blah. And so, really, God is is countering fear with faith. He's saying. I've, if you're in a situation today that you have no idea how to get out of this, Jesus, God says he is the God of escapes. Jesus said he is the way. There is one way, I promise you, there's one way out of your problem, and, and it's a narrow way. It's a, it's, a, it's a way of humbling. It's a way of seeking God. It's a way of obedience. It's a way of walking very carefully as the Holy Spirit leads you. But there is a way out. There's one way where God can be glorified, and it will happen out, turn out to, to be good for you. And, and so there are many ways Satan would offer us that are, that are, you know, dead ends, if you will. But, but going back to the basic promise, the promise of faith, 
rejects fear is what it really does. Faith in the promise of God rejects the fear and the oh no and the what if and I'm afraid of the devil. So when you're stepping out into this arena of the war, the big battle is between whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God says? What he, he promised Abraham. He's promised us the same thing. He says eternal life, born again. You're not condemned. Um, you know, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus um, will not be ashamed. All of these promises come out of an act of faith. Faith. In, the, in what God says, faith in the promises. So again, born again is actually restarting the systems according to getting the spirit system started, activating your spirit. Like you said, our spirit has been given to us. It says in the Bible, the spirit of a man, Proverbs twenty twenty seven. the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inner rooms of the heart. Now the candle is not lit until we're saved. At that point in Ephesians chapter two, it says when we were yet dead in sins and trespasses, he quickened us. So at the moment of salvation, when you accept the, the finished work of Jesus Christ in term in place of your own dying for your sins, you accept his death on the cross for you, for your salvation. At that point, the candle is lit. And when the candle is lit, your spirit man is activated. So now the spirit of God can start, start downloading information, revelation. Well, to right. You. We're, we're, we're reactivated as human beings through our faith in Christ. He, through faith in Christ, God brings us into the place where he intended us to be all along. That's been lost, that's been buried right. through, through believing lies of sin. We talked about earlier that should bury us. Mm-hmm. So, so he makes us a, a new creation. Um, we become children of God in, in, through faith in Jesus Christ. So this is the new identity. We're born again. Uh, by through the Word of God, created in the image of God, then born again. Created in the image of God, born again, mm-hmm. we become a child of God. It's interesting. He said in in John chapter one verses eleven through thirteen, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, yep. to them he gave the right to become the children of God. So this is a whole new identity. Mm-hmm. This is reclaiming, yeah, reclaiming the children of God. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and it says in another place, I don't recall the exact scripture right now, but we are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. So we're not, we're created, originally created by God in his likeness and image, right. but we don't really become his full-blown, mm-hmm. uh, full-blown children mm-hmm. till we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. We, yeah, we are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He said to those who believe in his name, the last part of uh, John one twelve who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Right, so, so that's part of the promise. The promise we're born, made in the image of God, born by the will and decision of God, born, brought forth by God's will. So if you think you were born at the wrong time to the wrong parents, or you wrecked their lives because you were born, or you were a burden and all this stuff, you had nothing to say about it. So therefore, don't take on the guilt or the responsibility of, of, of feeling... How you got here. Yes, exactly, because... That's just a devil distraction. Right, because how you got here might be through, you know, immoral actions. Yeah, and, and, that doesn't mean you're immoral. That doesn't mean you're bad. No. You know, you might have come in, into... God know, does not hold you responsible for something you're not responsible born for. Born into horrible circumstances. Right. But see, God is a redeemer. That's right. He allowed you to come into the kingdom. and I To manifest this. his power, his love, his redemption. And I believe, like Esther of old... Mm-hmm. that you were brought into the kingdom. You were called to the kingdom for, for such, such a time, time as, this. as this. But the thing is, here's the problem. A lot of people look at their 
uh, extenuating circumstances, their initial you know, appearance on the earth, the way they arrived. And they, they judge themselves according to it and or the, the devil judges you in your mind according to it. And you, and, and you become all taken up with your sin, your badness, your depravity, the, the circumstances around you, the injustices, the offenses, blah, blah, blah. And that is not why God created us here. He didn't put you here to clean up the mess. He really didn't. He, he, he put us here to believe the truth and to tell the truth to others and to show them the way and to preach the gospel, make disciples. Now, going back for a minute to what's happened here, in between the time of God making us in his, in his own image in Genesis 1, 26, and in John, 1 John, of, you know, being... Um, as, you know, receiving him as many as received him. There was a big, the biggest thing called sin, the fall, original sin, the fall of man happened. And you say, well, why? That was so tragic. That was so bad. Why doesn't God just get rid of the devil? Why didn't God just deal with this? Why did it, why did God let this happen? Why did he put two trees in the garden? And all these questions are really being asked to you into your, put into your mind by Satan who wants you to try to figure out the answers to them. Now there are answers. There's one divine, holy, right answer to these questions. But if you don't get the right answer, you'll have all many, many, many wrong answers, and that will lead you in many, many goose chases and dead ends. But the point of the pit is for two reasons. Number one, to prove the Son of God, to glorify him, to rightfully place him uh, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He, has, he had no conquering battles before that. He was just, you know, the untried Son of God. And so with this defeat of Satan and the rescue of the human race, Jesus Christ, the son of the most high also in the process becomes qualified to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Also in this pit process, the battle, the war, we also become more than conquerors. We're, we are not just little nobodies who didn't know what to do except kind of survive the pit. We're, you know, we're chosen and, and now we respond to the call and we're more than conquerors. Like you said, Jerry, for more, for such a time as this, but if you're all tangled up in who you are and don't like who you are and the wart on your nose or whatever, you're going to miss the whole point of God's intended greatness for you because we were built to love. Uh, we were built for greatness. We were built to, for glory. We were built to want those things. And in this world, Satan offers them to you in a, in a, in a very decrepit, uh, diabolical form. He false glory, false you know, superheroes, blah, 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 all this kind of fame and, and glitter and glitz that is really only uh, just temporary because he knows that that kind of fits with the greatness God intends for us to have. Well, our solution to this is simple. It's, it seems like it's very simple, but it's not. It's, it can be complicated, but it's very simple. As you, as you begin to grasp, understand who God is. No, God is, by definition, he is incomprehensible. Uh, here on earth, we cannot comprehend he's the fullness infinite, of God, yeah, but we can recognize yeah. that he's loving, he's present everywhere, he's all-powerful, he, he's, he's all-knowing. He's he good. Is, he's good. He is, mm-hmm. He's a good, God of good. love. He's a God of justice. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of, of holiness. So all these things, we can grasp that. We, we, can, we can know that about God. And then as we know who we are in relation to God, by God's definition of, of who we are, God's definitions of us, which the scripture mm-hmm. is full of basically of 
definitions of God, talking about the what we call the attributes of God, mm-hmm. the characteristics of God, the character of God. Right. And then the scripture is also full mm-hmm. in the Gospels, in the epistles particularly, talking about our, our identity. You know, we're created in the likeness and image of God by faith in Jesus Christ. We're born of God. We become children of God. We become mm-hmm. new creation, Second Corinthians right. 5, yeah. 17. I want to read that. Uh, if any, go ahead and read that. Yeah, because, see, you talked about the character of God. You just said this, the whole Bible, New Testament, is filled with the character of God. And the character of God is defined in his dying on the cross. And in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died for us. So that we can be to be born again implies you have to die. And so what happens is we're, we die to the old nature, the old man, the old ideas, the old demonic uh, mindsets. And we are born again, come back alive into the fullness of who we really are. This is part of the process of life. And, and the reason why we're in the pit is to experience that born again process. But Jesus also, because of his great love for us, laid down his life, left the glory of heaven gave it up, went to the cross, suffered immensely, uh, stood the test, didn't bow to the devil, didn't cave to sin, didn't believe the lies, stood true to the Father for our sake. And so his character was also purified, cleansed, cleansed and proven at the cross. And so he died that we might live to know who we are, that we don't have to live to the old man, the old decrepit, you know, groveling in this earth trying to figure out who I am, but that we can look forward to the resurrection and this life on this earth is very temporary. Therefore, he says in verse 16, therefore now from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh yet. Now we know him thus no longer. So he's saying, we're going to go beyond just knowing Jesus as he walked among us on the earth and wore the robes and, and was crucified and wore the crown thrones. We're going to go beyond that to know who he really is. Therefore, because of all that, because Jesus died, because we're no longer have to live for ourselves, he died for us, rose for us. Uh, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh. We don't look at who we are according to what it looks like and the, and the evidence that we see around us in terms of our five senses or the opinions of others. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so this is where we're now. We're not in the pit anymore. We're in Christ Jesus. We're tucked in. It's all good because he's, he's in heaven. He's with us. He's in us. We're in him. It's all good. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is the whole point. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become, become new. What are the old things that have passed away? Well, the control of Satan over your life can pass away if you believe it. You can still walk in it if you want to. It says and there's no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who what? Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You can still walk in the old mindsets, the old flesh, the ideas, the lies, the confusions of the soul. Or you can walk in what God says in the promises. And this is where we walk in the spirit. Exactly. He talks about, uh, Paul writes, he says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh mm-hmm. of the human. You know, the, we're, we're, we have natural desires, mm-hmm. right? For, for, you know, warmth, body needs warmth, needs food, food needs love. rest, needs right air pressure, love, yep. the soul. You know, the soul is not bad. Mm-hmm. To have a will is not bad. To have a mind is not bad. Mm-hmm. To have emotions and is not emotions bad. And all those things. But, but they can they, be used for bad. They can be used for evil. 
They mm-hmm. can depend right. on who is in control. Who's control of them, yeah. Exactly. Now, when, when, the, when God, through the Holy Spirit, is in control of your spirit, your body, and soul. Paul wrote, Marjorie, that mm-hmm. our whole spirit, soul, and body mm-hmm. would be kept blameless onto the, the day of, of redemption. So, exactly. And what you're saying about the soul, Paul says in Romans 6, he says, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present your, your, yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In other words, in your soul, you know, we have our mind, will, and emotions. We can yield those to fear. We can yield those to faith. Um, or Satan can control them, which he often does, which Paul refers to as the body of death. When Satan is controlling your soul, the body of death operating software is at work, and you will be under the counsel of fear, addictions, uh, panic, uh, anxieties, um, fear in all of its forms. And so when he says, Paul says in Romans six twelve, uh, amplified, he says, um, do not let sin rule as king in, in your mortal short-lived perishable body to make you obey it in its lusts, evil passions, and cravings. There's a lot of interesting things in that verse. It says, don't let, don't yield, don't give in to, don't yield to um, sin. Don't let sin rule in your life as king. And how he does that is he bullies us. The enemy bullies us through these vulnerabilities that you were mentioning, Jerry, about your, your you know, we have needs for food and water and love and meaning and purpose and proper air temperatures and pressures in our brain. All of these things. I know people who there, there's such a battle going on in their brains right now that they cannot sleep. And that is a battle uh, for right frequencies. And so even those tiniest things you think are no big deal because they're not happening to you right now. Those are such a big deal that they can destroy people and absolutely take them out because we are, we are basic, our basic elements, are frequencies and vibrations. So the thing is don't let sin, don't give in. And, and, and because it says sin, don't let sin rule in to, to give, to let, to make you, it's going to bully you to make you yield your instruments to its wants and wishes. Satan, these demons are disembodied spirits. What they want, they don't have a body. They need a body to fulfill their needs. Exactly, exactly. And, and a great part of spiritual warfare is this. Now, we have an enemy Satan that's working to probe into us, okay? Yes. To control us. Yes. His goal is to what? Jesus said to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. So he's, prob- he's probing into us to gain access, to gain control, yep. to bring us destruction, eternal destruction. He's probing. He's wanting to gain access to our will. But he, yes. He's wanting to mm-hmm. gain access to our minds, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. the way we think, our intellect. He wants to gain access into our emotions, so our emotions are all whacked out. Mm-hmm. And he wants to gain access into our body. He wants to control Absolutely. and destroy our body and, and keep the spirit, our human spirit, from the, from the function of, of communicating with God. And, say, and Paul said, the way he gains that access or activates or gets a hold of those parts of us, our mind, will, emotions, is through an agreement. We agree. And these agreements are very subtle. And what all of the spiritual warfare, God gives you a promise. His promise is follow me, love me, believe me. I died for you. It's all good. Believe the promises of God like he gave Abraham. I will give you this. Follow me. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. And, you know, you'll be with me forever in paradise. Follow, follow, follow. But so the thing is, so what, what Satan is trying to do is get us to choose, to agree, to make a decision, to believe the lie. 
because all of it is going to sift down to whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God said in his promises? Are they true and good? Is God good? Does he lie? Or are you going to believe the, the devil when he's got this immediate instant gratification? We're all trained to have an instant, immediate gratification through the drive through food windows. That's not what God said to get your food, really. I mean, I understand there are urgent emergencies sometimes. But he said to get your food out by the sweat of your brow, go plant your seeds, go pick your crop, go, you know, cook your vegetables, whatever you're going to do. And, and, and I understand our modern technologies have given us so many conveniences that it's become inconvenient because it's actually killing us. But we're very programmed, very impatient. We can't stand in line. We've got to have it instant. The, the, the Internet's too slow. We can't do dial-up anymore. What is dial-up? You know what I'm saying? It's all got to be right now. And why? Why are we in, what are we in such a hurry? Where are we in such a hurry to go? To the next thing that's going to let us down and not be as much fun as we thought it would and bring a disappointment. What are we doing? Why are we, you know, being driven? And that drivenness causes us to make bad decisions. Well, we're, we're driven. We're distracted. Yeah, there you it, go. It's, it's just major, major distractions. Our minds are just... Well, full, they're frantic. Frantically. Mm-hmm. We've got these frantic... I think it's the frequencies and vibrations that are messed exactly up. frantic, frantic frequencies. We're getting. There you go. We have, <clears throat> excuse me. We have these frantic. We're, we're just we're just driven. Grasping. We're just driven, and basically mm-hmm. the whole thing is really to distract us from seeking and knowing who we the are. living God mm-hmm. and knowing who we are. Really, that's it. It's just anything, anything to. To uh, keep us from God, any deception. It's like in yeah. sports. You're on mm-hmm. defense and offense. What are you doing? Or you're fishing. You're practicing deception. Mm-hmm. You want to think. Right. You want your defense. You're playing basketball. You want your defender to think you're going one way. You fake like you're going one way, and you actually go the other way and get around them. Well, that's so, it's all about. That's that's how the about, enemy. Yeah. It's 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 about basically it's control. It's, it's deception. It's all about deception. And to take advantage to take control, to win the game. And that's really how the enemy operates. But we, we, and we don't know until you look into the word of God and really believe it, you must believe the whole thing. And don't believe that parts of it are not true. And don't get a version that has chopped so much out of it, it doesn't even count as a version anymore, uh, a translation of the Bible. And in 1 Corinthians chapter um, 1, he says, verse 2, we're called, <clears throat> we have a calling. We're not just here to puddle around and, slime around in the swamp and hang around for X number of years and then be, you know, evacuated. We're here called to be saints. He says to the church of God, which is in Corinth, this was a very sinful city. This was worse than the diviest places of New York city or, or, or uh, San Francisco or Orlando, New Orleans, I should say. It, it was, it's just like, well, it's just a, a, a divey place where they were. It was, it was like a, a Sodom. Yeah, it was very, it was and full of gods, and full of prostitution, mm-hmm. and full of uncleanness, and full of weirdness, to the church of God, which is at Corinth. Okay, they were stationed there, stationed there on the battlefront of Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ. They were already clean, holy, 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 no matter if they're living in a mud puddle. You know, if you have to throw a little child in a mud puddle, they're still a sacred, innocent, little precious child, whether their clothes got wrecked or not. They're holy. They're worth redeeming. To, to the saints. Uh, who are sanctified in Christ, called, I'm sorry, I'll start that over, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, that means we're made holy by him, called to be saints, 
to all who are in every place who call upon the name of, the, of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. He's calling them saints. They're not canonized. They're not even dead yet. They're saints because they are sanctified by set Jesus, apart. set apart, and they have a call. They have a call. They're set apart to, to, fun, uh, to function in that call, and they're called by God. That's what makes you a saint, called by God, functioning in that call, sanctified, set apart, made holy by Jesus. They're saints. They're called to stand their ground in that nasty, dirty place called Corinth. And they weren't going to take up the, the um, uh, ways of the world. And now in the church, we have all the ways of the world in the church for the most part. It's just a mess. It's not, it's not what Jesus wants, and yet Jesus is going to be taking care of that. He's going to clean up his bride. She's not ready for her wedding. She's a dirty, beaten half to death, laying half dead in the ditch somewhere of religion. But Jesus Christ will come for his bride, and she is going to be without spot or wrinkle. That's what the Word says. That's what's going to happen. And so a lot of times what happens is that we uh, we identify ourselves even as believers as as sinners. Yeah. So so well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, yes, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. After we become believers, there are times where we will sin, but it's not the dominant feature mm-hmm. of, of 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 our lifestyle anymore. It's the, it's the past, not the future. Right. So so the thing is, to, to don't say that you're a sinner. Yes, you're saved by grace. Yes, you were a sinner. Yes, mm-hmm. you may sin. But what do you do? You're called to be a saint. Mm-hmm. You're a saint. And saints aren't perfect, by the way. Paul was a saint, and right. he, he was not perfect. Peter was a saint, Saint Peter, and he was not perfect. And even after he was a saint, you know, Paul, talking to these Corinthians as saints, they were not saved. Doesn't mean you're never going to get tricked again into doing sin, believing a lie making a bad choice because you got deceived in the first place because you're not going to wake up every morning and say, Oh, you know, I just want to sin today. I just want to make a bad choice today. Oh, let me see. Where can I make a bad choice today? What, where can I first go wrong? Let me, I just was on. We don't do that. That's not God's divine nature in us, but it's the second nature says, well, I'm never, I'm, I'm a failure already. Uh, It's no good. It's never going to work, blah, blah, blah. And in that you've already sinned in that you've not believed what God said about you. And so, so there's where we kind of go wrong. And then we, from there on, we do everything. The rest of our life is all trying to patch up what we did wrong, do penance, do it perfect, do it right, do it over. And this is all the torture rack of hell. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Um, certainly not. And in, in King James, it says, God forbid. Mm-hmm. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it. So, so sin, this is the key. sin was reigning mm-hmm. in us, and now grace is reigning. Sin is not reigning. Sin is no longer. We're dead to Jesus it. Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross to what? Destroy him that had power of death. Mm-hmm. That, that is the devil. Well, and this is a key, too, because when they're talking about born again, you're implying there had to be a death because nobody gets born again until they're dead. Uh, and so we, he says, how shall we who died to sin, live any longer there in it. Dying to sin means, doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. Dying to sin means it's not who you are. It's not your choice. It's not who you want to be. You have, you have stopped trying to um, fix the sin. Jesus Christ fixed the sin. You're dead to it. You've accepted his remedy. His remedy of redemption is the cross, his own blood is justified. So you're not caught up in trying to, you know, 
he goes on to say, how can a dead man sin? Well, if you're dead to the things of the world, you're dead to um, the, the lust, the perversions, the, the enticements, the lies of the world, then you're not going to make those choices and you're not going to get up and, and sin because sin comes out of a choice. Sin comes out of a lie that you believe. So if we reckon the old man dead, he says in Romans 12, uh, 6, 12, therefore, uh, I mean, sorry, 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Account yourself to be dead. Count yourself as dead. I, I, you know, a dead man doesn't look at pornography. A dead man doesn't shoot his neighbor. A dead man doesn't gossip. So a, a dead man, you know, he wants us in this way to be dead to the things of the world and let God bring justice. Let God bring correction. Let God bring the truth. And you walk in the truth. You be a light. You be a witness as God leads, not as a, a overbearing uh, in your, you know, I mean, uh, irritation, but as a true light, a light. He said, be a light, a light. We are lights, the light of the world. A light shines in the darkness. A, a, a light does not irritate. It, it reveals. The light is a blessing. The light is a help. The light brings clarity to what is not, what's in obscurity. The light of God reflecting out of you, out of a clean vessel, will help the others see and find their way. We're, we're, the, we're the light of the world. The light doesn't grab the darkness and say, get out of here. It just pushes back the darkness. Exactly. And someone <clears throat> brought out this phrase years ago. It's the expulsive power of new affections. And you think, what do you mean power. expulsive power of new affections? Well, in other words, you have a new desire, and this new desire, you, you desire something far better, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you, if you take a dog, and, and he's got a dirty, old, rotten, moldy bone that he's chewing on, right? Okay, you offer, you know, and you hold that in front of him, or you hold a fresh piece of steak in front of him, fresh cut. Mm-hmm. What's he going to go after? Very likely. If he's, he's a smart dog. If he's a smart dog, <laughs> he'll go after the, 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 the fresh chunk of, of meat. So there are new desires. See, the whole thing mm-hmm. is Satan got a hold of Eve and mm-hmm. Adam through desire. Right. Desire exactly. to be like God. So so he plays onto our desires. Exactly. But God when God gives us new affections, he says, uh, set your affections Colossians chapter three, verse one, set your affections mm-hmm. on things above, not here on things on the earth. There's something that you love far more than yeah. that than that, than the things of this world and sinful things, because then you go after those things. You yes, have exactly. a new part of the new being born again, mm-hmm. part of being a new mm-hmm. creation is having new desires. It's like this. Desires after God. Desires of truth, righteousness, and holiness. And then Mm -hmm. not only the desire there, but there's that ability the Holy Spirit gives us to enter into a whole new way of uh, of behaving. Uh, It it was like the city in Corinth. He he talked to the believers. He described their lifestyle before. Some were into the homosexual lifestyle. Some were into, you know, all kinds of idolatry and uh, adulteries and all this kind of stuff. And he says, and this is the way you were, but now you are washed. You are sanctified. Such what were, were some, some of you. Now you're uh, washed, sanctified, justified in the name of Jesus and Christ. Yes, exactly. Going back to what you're saying about desire. Satan played on Eve's desire to be like God because she believed the lie that she wasn't already, you know, having fellowship with God, that there was something she was missing, that there was more that she could be more wise if she ate off this fruit, then she'd know good and evil, blah, blah, blah. So he, and the, the fisherman plays off the desire of the fish, the hungry little fish looking for lunch. 
Satan plays off of our desires, the very things God put in us for greatness, immortality, um, wisdom, counsel, plays on our uh, peace. He plays on our desire, Satan does, to give us a false peace, to catch us on the hook. But if the fish is not hungry, the fish will not bite the hook. If you are satisfied in God because you have delighted yourself in him and you follow after him, and yes, it's not always easy, and the days aren't always easy, and they're always not filled with fluff and, and woo and wonder. and you know, There's a lot of hardcore you know, you know, marching, standing, uh, believing, prevailing. Um, there's a lot of just dying to yourself. I don't want to do that. I don't feel like that. I don't want to get up. I'm hungry. There's a lot of that garbage that you have to say no to because you are already full. You're already okay. You're already okay. You're already satisfied so that you're not being tempted to bite that hook of dissatisfaction because I could have more. I could just one more little nibble, one more little bite. I could get a little closer. I could have everything. I could have it all. You already got it all. Don't kid yourself. You've already got it made in the shade if you follow Jesus Christ. And I don't mean made in the shade like you can sit around in the shade all the time. I mean, it's finished. It is done. But now you're going to have to prove it by walking it out. You know, lip service doesn't go far. Jesus was talking about, they give me lip service, but their hearts are far from me. That's not going to work for you. You're going to have to get in or get out. Right now we're in a time of crisis. It says, um, uh, where's that verse in what old prophet? He said, uh, the summer's passed and um, harvest is past, has ended, and we are not saved. Yeah, Jeremiah. we're not saved. We're still in the valley. Many, many left multitudes in the valley of decision. That's where we are today in this world. Multitudes not yet signed up truly for heaven, um, not knowing where they are going. And you will not know where you're going if you do not know who you are. And you will not know who you are if you don't know who God is. And you won't know who God is if you don't believe what he says. So it all is based back on faith in the promises of God, the promises of God. Does he lie? Is he good? If you, can, if you can call God a liar, then you can do a lot more than I could. I could not call God a liar. And I didn't get saved because of people convincing me of anything. I got saved because when I read the word of God, a little verse they showed me to read out loud, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord be saved, I couldn't call God a liar. I can say, well, that's not true. I, I called a lot of people liars in my life. I was lied to a lot. I even told a few lies, but I could not call God a liar. And if you can honestly call God a liar, then go ahead. But you're going to be wrong because God doesn't lie. He, and there is a God. I don't care what saints try to make of him, to make mincemeat of him, to make him obscure, to deceive us, to drug us into believing he doesn't exist, to hook us up to machines. I don't care what he's tried to do to us. God is faithful to complete the work he has begun in us. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works. And all of this battle over your body, your mind, your soul, your destiny, your image, your identity, your relationships, your family, all this battling over you, for you, is a battle against God. It's, 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 it's Satan against God. Because he wants to prove to God that God is not fit or able to rule the world, that he doesn't, is not able to keep his creation, that he is going to lose them, that Satan can deceive them. He can pull us away from God and distort and, 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 and remove that love connection. And one of the great tragedies, um, uh, there's a guy named A.W. Tozer, uh, lived back in the 60s, and he wrote a lot of wonderful, wonderful books. Anything you can read by A.W. Tozer would be most excellent for you. One of the things that he said, he talked about the lost 
of what being lost is. Mm-hmm. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He talks about just basically human personality that's just, you know, that's wasted. It's controlled by the enemy. It's wasted. It's one of the greatest tragedies. It's it's the great tragedy of the world when people right. are just lost. Not only lost because they don't believe. Right. Or, or be, because lost forever, mm-hmm. you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in hell, the lake of fire, because of rejecting Jesus Christ. But the the thing is too is we hear a lot about the human potential movements. And and you know, the humanists will say, Well, you can be anything you want to be. You just believe in yourself and mm-hmm. work hard and all this and you can achieve like anything. And and it's really it's really not true. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. But there is there is so much uh, untapped potential in every human being. And and the, the idea is Satan is trying to just keep us down, yeah. keep us buried under a pile of his Hate, guilt, rubble condemnation, of lies, junk. condemnation, mm-hmm. uh, all this stuff. And God wants us to rise up and be all he's called us to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so go ahead. Yeah, so so I'll kind of to wrap it up on a hot note and a high note here. And by the way, Satan is all about you know whatever his thing is to promote is to continue his deflation of the human race. But Romans eight chapter eight verse fifteen, um, um, he says, "For we did not, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption." by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We have a Father in heaven. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So we've been restored to that maiden image of God, now restored to the children of God through a choice. It's the, not only was it God's choice to make us, it's our choice to respond to that calling and to respond by becoming again the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So this suffering, he says, verse 18, for I consider that the suffering of this present time, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So everything we have now is subject to that uh, groaning, that process of purifying, refining, defining, uh, determining if you're going to stand and having done all stand for Jesus. And if you have a hard time standing for Jesus, then what we need to do is just ask him to sustain you because really your standing for God is not your job. It's the job of the Holy spirit and you cooperating with it for we are his workmanship. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both the will and do of his good, good pleasure. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. So there's a, there's a, there's a, our response is necessary. God has prepared the banquet. He has killed the fatted calf. He's got all the, the, the vegetables washed. He's got the, the golden china all set out. He's got the table, the tablecloth. He's got the angels busy bustling around. He's done it all, and he invites us. He even sent the angels out with the invitation to invite us. But if you don't show up to the banquet, if you don't say yes to what God has for you, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. If you don't respond to the invitation and RSVP or show up, if you show up with your own little peanut butter and jelly sandwich in your back pocket, say, no, I don't like any of that stuff. I'll eat my peanut butter and jelly. You know, you're missing out. You're going to miss out. It's not going to work for you. 
So die to what you think, what you feel, or what you've seen in the past. Die to the idea of who you think you are. And look into the word of God and find out who he says you are because only God knows for sure that we, we're going to be with him in, a, in an splendid place. Uh, and all of this will be worth it. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more ex- exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So, Father, we thank you for this uh, opportunity to, to live, to know who you are, to receive the revelation of who you are, even in this very horrific, horrible, tragic place that we're pilgrims passing through, that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us, that, that the victory belongs and already has been purchased by you and that you've made a way for us. You are the way. So I pray, Father God, that you would just reveal that to each one of us today and encourage us in wherever we are in this journey and on this battlefield. And Lord, we thank you that as believers in Jesus, we recognize that we are created in the image of God. We're born again. We're children of God. We're new creations. We're, we're saints. We're set apart for you. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We're part of the family. We inherit everything. He that overcomes, you said, Lord, shall inherit all things, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. So we're looking forward. Thank you that we are your heirs, that we inherit eternal life. We inter- inherit the kingdom of God. And so we thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for helping us, Lord, day by day, just to shed more light on uh, your identity and on our identity as your people. Amen. We love you and praise you, and we thank you. We pray your grace, mm-hmm. blessing, and truth mm-hmm. upon each one who is listening right now, mm-hmm. today, right now, at this moment, and in the days to come. Amen. We ask in Jesus' name. You can join us and have your friends friends join us at liferecovery.com. This is Rescue Radio and truelightchurchmn.org. God bless you. for yourself.